0: for this morning Lord we ask for a special blessing on the kids downstairs on the kids next door we love them we thank you for them we ask that you would protect them that you would watch over them that you protect the seeds that are being planted Lord that the enemy wouldn't be able to come in and snatch any of that now Father we thank you for your word that you put before us this morning and pray, Lord, that it would encourage and equip and convict us, Lord, so we could better understand um, your will and your calling, Lord, for marriage and for relationships and for roles for men and women. So, God, we just uh, thank you for this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that uh, any words that come out of me this morning, Lord, would be from you, may the enemy be not successful in trying to distract and trying to divert attention. We just thank you for this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Ephesians five. So we've been here for a little bit, right? Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. There's a lot to talk about. We're talking about marriage and relationships and like men and women. It's a lot to talk about. This thing is complicated. not easy. The enemy has done a really good job as far as making this thing really complicated. He's thrown a lot of wrenches in there, and he's thrown a lot of confusion in there, and it's turned into a thing where uh, Proverbs 12 it says there's a way that seems right to a man. And it's like a lot of times that carries into relationships, where it seems right to do something a particular way, and live a particular way, and think a particular way, but biblically, Wow, that's a lot different. That's a lot different. So we pick up this week, and we focus in on the men this week. Focus in on the men this week. Last week, you we focused in on the ladies. And um, I knew that... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I knew, but I had a strong feeling as I was going to be heading home. I was like, you know... What am I going to be regretting that I did not say or did say or how I said it on the way home? And that pretty much always happens. I mean, that's just. But when it's a message like that's more geared towards you know females and the female role like in marriage, and and women, um, I don't know. It just sticks out more. If you haven't noticed, I'm not a woman, so it's like you know it's hard to get that one across. And so one of the things um, that came up last week that I wanted to uh, uh, clarify and I guess as we do that we'll do a quick review a quick recap from last week Uh, last week we talked about the wife's role right and we talked about submission right we did that yep sounds kind of familiar vaguely familiar right wife's role and submission and we talked about five misconceptions of submission right five misconceptions here are the five real quick one One misconception is, it's just for women. Like, just women are called to submit. No, no. Right? Number two, every woman submits to every man. That's not true. Right? That's not true. A woman submits to her husband. Misconception three, a husband has the right to demand submission. So I can just demand that out of Julia whenever I want, right? Yeah! Yeah! That ain't working, right? That ain't working. No matter what I might think or convince myself of, it ain't working, right? Number four, uh, submission does not mean mindless agreement. You just go along and say, yes sir, uh, yeah. That's not what that is either, right? Um, another misconception Last on number five, where it's a license for the husband to be domineering or authoritative. So there's things like submission is not. Right? Those five things. And we talked about that stuff last week and got into that more. And if you missed it, you know, you can uh, listen to it online. Um, one of the things I was thinking about as I, was, as I went home was this idea of really the, the main thing for the woman. That all started back in the garden. The main deal, the main idea was how she was created. And when she was created. So the woman was created to be a helper that was it right away that was central to the woman being formed is that she is called to be a helper a helpmate and God had all the animals and everything that Adam named walk in front of him and God said and there was no suitable helper or helpmate wasn't found there comes the woman Right? Comes out of the man, puts in a deep sleep, takes a rib out, and so she comes from the man. And biblically, the idea is, is that she's supposed to help, support, assist, be an encouragement to the man. So I'm going to be very careful who you marry, right? Be very careful who you marry. And one thing I was thinking about as I went home was that, okay, that's the role, you know, for the woman is to be a helper. Um, and I was thinking about on the way home I was like oh I, I should have clarified that a little bit better I don't think I did a good job clarifying when I leave in the morning for work sometimes um, Jaron my, my oldest son there who's three uh, he's kind of in this mode right now to where one morning when I was leaving I was like packing my lunch and he happened to be watching and paying attention to that that morning and uh, I, the last thing I grabbed was a banana you know and threw it in there so in his three year old brain He's thinking, well, every time Dada leaves for work, he gets a banana, you know? He's just that's the way that translates for him. And so each most mornings when I leave now, it's like, okay, but you know, I got to go to work, you know, dada has got to go and oh, Dad at work, Dada at work. And then he just takes off whew, around the corner and I'm like, "Oh, you know, where's my goodbye?" You know? But he went around the corner, you had to go get a banana. Cuz he's trying to be helpful, right? He wants to be helpful. And uh, so he grabs a banana brings it out to me and I'm like, oh, you know, thanks bud, thanks bud. And he goes, Nana, Nana, you know. And he's being helpful. So in his brain and in his, his mind, that's super helpful. You know, in my mind, it's just cute. Like it's great, it's nice, he appreciates me, like he's trying to like show that he loves me, which is awesome. Well, it gets weird sometimes is like helping can become a manipulation to get what we want and sometimes that happens in marriage and with the wife's role where she can say oh I'm just helping you honey I don't know right being helpful is really determined by the person that's supposedly getting helped that's like where the, so like if Julie wants to help me out and with whatever it is and, and we've done this many times in marriage, she can just like throw her head and throw her effort and energy into something, whatever it is, making some dinner or doing the dishes or trying to vacuum the floor or whatever it might be. And then we come home or I come home and, we talk, and I think about maybe five other things that maybe she didn't, was on her list to get to but maybe didn't because she was doing other, th- other stuff that she thought was helpful. Now we have a discussion coming later on. Right? It's exactly what actually is helpful and what actually is maybe not so helpful. I appreciate the effort and the energy and the thought that went into what you were doing. But here's also some ideas of some things that could also be really helpful for me right now. So help is determined by who's actually getting help. So it's super helpful... When the mate, when the woman is like, you know, I have these things in mind, I'm thinking about doing this particular thing or paying this particular bill or heading to the dump or doing whatever, would that be helpful for you today? I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this today. That's huge. Instead of just steamrolling the list of tasks that needs to get done, and then coming back later and say, see, I was just being helpful, I'm just being helpful. The idea of the help is that it's recognized who is actually being helped, who is getting assisting, right? So the helper can easily be manipulated into something else which wouldn't be good and that something else that wouldn't be good is like our own desires and our own like, will that we'd like to see have happen. So that was one thing that was in my mind that I was thinking about. Um, as I was driving home, and I wanted to also make sure that I reset something that I said last week is that the woman is not putting herself below her husband. she's putting herself below the bless you. She's putting herself below the mission. She's not putting herself below the husband. she's putting herself below the mission. Because in submission you have sub, look at the word, right? Sub, and then you have mission. There's another overarching mission that God has in mind for marriage and for the relationship. when the wife is doing when she submits to the husband and she's saying, I don't know if I agree with all this, but I'm going to submit. I don't know if I like all of this. I don't know if all this feels right, but I'm going to submit for the greater purpose of what God wants to do in this marriage and what He wants to do through me. So now this week, we focus on the men. Right? We get our dose. <laughs> no guy said amen. That's weird. So, let's take a look. Ephesians 5. It really starts in 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 22 is what we focused on last week. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, so here we go. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy and Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. We are members of His body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the man and the husband has a big role here. Verse 25. Really starts back in 23. Husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So that's a big deal right there. So right away, God is making it really clear that the biblical role for the man, if he cares about the biblical role, is that he is head of the household. Not dictator, not head authority, not the Fidel Castro in the household, but that he is the head of the household. And there's a difference between being a head and being a dictator. The type of head that we're talking about is the one that will lay down his entire life and the one that's totally self-sacrificing. Now here's the part that stinks. The part that stinks is when there is a marriage and you do have a woman... And he's not living up to the bill there. But yet the wife is really trying to do her best to submit and live up to her end of the bill that God has called her to. And that doesn't mean that like she's exempt now because he's not holding up his end of the bargain. She is still called in that role to submit. But hopefully in such a way to win her husband to the Lord, right? That's a difficult difficult situation. And I understand as we're gonna talk about like all this like man stuff and in marriage, honestly there's just a huge lack. It's like lacking huge. There are so many men, boys, teenagers that are lacking the biblical code that they should be living a life through. We were made in God's image by God and for God, and the man has a unique role to be a leader in the headship. And living in this world, he's found a way to rewrite like his own code in his own way, and think that he can come up with something that works. It's sad. It's unfortunate. I was uh, talking with a um, guy at work uh, a couple of weeks ago, and. Um, somehow marriage came up and we're talking about marriage and uh, you know right away as soon as you're talking about guys you're talking about marriage it heads right to sex that's immediately where it goes for some reason if you're getting lots of sex and you're a really good lover hey you're a man and you're a great husband boy is that far from the truth right? all the women are like yeah that is far from the truth Right, but his point that he wanted to make while we were talking about stuff, I't remember what it was. I think we were texting back and forth like different Bible passages or something, and uh, probably should have been teaching, but that's what we were doing and uh, he's like he's like you know he's like uh, he's like the most important thing in a marriage, right man talking he's written his own biblical man code, you know, and this guy teaches in a religious school and he said the most important thing in a marriage is sex he said hands down I said really he said yes he said you show me a marriage um, that's not having any sex at all no intimacy at all in that department and you tell me if they're happy I said okay I said so you're also saying at the same time like if there's, if there's a married couple and they're having sex frequently all the time like things are just always good right the woman's fully satisfied because she's getting her sex, right? And, of course, the man is, right? Like, that's... You think that makes sense? And, uh, you know, he's looking at me. And there was another guy that happened to walk in, like, in the middle of the conversation. Because as soon as the guys are talking about sex, then all the guys come over, you know? Like, we could be talking about Bible verses and other stuff, and they just clear out, you know? Oh, what are you talking about? Oh, you know, Murphy's talking about sex. So now they really want to know. So so like we're talking there about this stuff so he comes in he goes uh, to the guy he goes he goes man he goes that's such BS he goes you don't even believe the crap that you're saying and the guy's like what do you mean he's like tell me that sex is not the most important thing and uh, the guy's like well you know what's going to happen if uh, they get old and they're not having any more sex he said what their marriage is done then it's useless it's no good and they go, oh, well, you know, if they get old. He's like, I'm not talking about, you know, if we get old. And then the other guy is like, well, what happens if somebody, you know, gets into an accident? They get sick or somebody gets hurt or they're physically incapable of doing it. Then what? They got no marriage? It's a failure? He could serve her, she could serve him the rest of their days and we're done? He's he's, oh, you know, these are our extra circumstances. And I'm like, no, man, this is life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, your code says, for some reason, you get sex and you get lots of it, like things are good. It's like, man, let's talk to your wife right now. So then we got his wife on text message, you know, we were going through back and forth and stuff. It was amazing. It was a great day at work. But it's crazy. Like, things are jacked up. Like, we're not thinking right. And if the guy's not thinking right, for the most part they're usually leading a relationship to some degree shape or form and they're shaping something pretty soon they'll have kids and then they're shaping a household it's really important you know what I mean it's really important and um, guys that get biblical manhood and what the actual like what God says is important and they get that role man that's at a premium it's really rare super rare that's why we try and do those things like Iron Sharpens Iron you know in our men's breakfast and try and do that kind of thing because it's like we're getting bombarded with it all the time too you know what I mean we've got to help sharpen each other and be like what is this thing really about you know and how should we be living it and what's really important so that's kind of our focus this morning is is this stuff Um, bless you so I was looking at the passage and if we can condense it just so it works for a Sunday morning um, I think we got a slide up there. Basically, if we could think about the man's role and what he's called to do. I think two illustrations uh, do it. A couple of slides later, I think there's two illustrations through our passage that really help to define what the biblical role and the biblical what calling for manhood is for the man. So, a man's biblical roles in Ephesians 5 could be best illustrated as. Maybe you can come up with something better, but as I just prayed through it and just looked at it and was just thinking about it, what would work for a Sunday morning. His role could be best defined as Savior and Sanctifier. Savior and Sanctifier. Let's see what we're talking about, what's going on here. Verse 23. There is definite headship, but let's see how this should be carried out as Savior and Sanctifier. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which He is the Savior. He is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So the man is called to be, in a sense, the Savior of the home. He's called to be Jesus in that home. He's called to be Savior. Now, Jesus already went to the cross. He paid the penalty for sins. He did that. So He's not called to be like, you know, another Jesus. But, if we could, it's like a Jesus part two. In the home. Got to have a Savior in the home. And what made Jesus a Savior? The extreme, unparalleled amount of self-sacrifice that He's was willing to give up for His bride, the church. You and me. That's the Savior quality, first and foremost, that if a man cares about His biblical call, it starts right there. It doesn't start with sex. It doesn't start with getting along. It doesn't start with a high-paying, high-power job. It starts right away with an understanding of I'm going to be a savior in my house, in my home. Because the man, as he's the head of the home, is called to bring salvation and God's truths to the family. He should be leading in that area. The man should be snatching up the kiddos and chucking them in the car and writing down his notes at the service, bringing that stuff back home, listening again online, and bringing it to his house. That's the call. I understand that doesn't always happen and in most cases it doesn't happen. But this is what's supposed to happen. This is what God wants to have happen. So for a man and we're here, we've got a chance to take advantage of it. And if we're a woman and we know a man, in some way, shape, or form, we can help with this, we should help in the right way like this. But that's the calling. For a man to lead in that area. It's also possible many times that the woman for whatever reason might have more knowledge of the Bible maybe a better understanding a little bit about God and His truths this does not mean that the man should just be the Mr. Know-it-all of the entire household of the Bible does that mean that at all but it does mean that as far as salvation and spiritual truths are concerned if he doesn't know he's going to go find out He's totally committed to that. If he does know, he's going to go find out. Most guys like to fix things. That's like their thing. You know, we're just kind of... A lot of guys are just built to fix things, get in there. How can I help a situation? We're called to do that as well spiritually. Not just figure out, you know, uh, you know, how can we make the budget work, and you know, how can figure out how can I make sure I'm sitting down for my game today that I really want to watch. Like, you know, it's bigger than that, so much bigger than that. And when we're talking about men in marriage, because they're called to be savior, their spiritual influence, the spiritual barometer of the household. Spirituality in the Bible, the way Jesus did it, is defined by being love to the rest of the household. Jesus was amazing because he was submitted in love to his Father. He was submitted to the Father's plan, and it was fueled by the love that was given to him for us. And we'll never know the depths of that. I'll never understand why he hung on a cross for me. I have no idea why doesn't make any sense. I would never make an investment like that. That seems like a bad investment. To invest in us, and it could cost me my son. That doesn't seem like a wise investment. And God says, Nope. Totally worth it. It's tough to understand, right? Bring tears to your eyes, like, you know, when you really see it. But that's the truth of the matter. And the calling for the man... Let's try and soak some of that in and absorb that and get in line with that. And put that out to the family. That's how the man steps up. That doesn't always happen. Most times it doesn't happen. A lot of times mom gets stuck doing it. And it can kind of like patch things up and it's kind of like a band-aid. But over time, it's got an effect. When a family is not functioning how God has designed it to... Even with our best of intentions, what we have, it still has effects. See, as soon as, if I were to share with my friend at work, hey listen, love is not determined by how much sex we're getting and how often it is and how great it is. If I were to tell him that love is measured by sacrifice, that's the thing that really matters. True love is measured by Sacrifice. And we see that in Jesus. He gave ultimately everything for you and I and for the church, for his bride. That's how love is modeled. He just gave all of it. All of it. That's part of this savior mentality that the man has to bring into the relationship that he's called to bring. He's not called to know everything, he's not called to have the perfect background, he's not called to be the smartest or the best looking or the most talented. But what he is agreeing is at the altar he's saying with his spouse Dave, I'm going to give you everything. And stuff I don't know I'm going to go try and figure out. And what's physically not in me not even in my personality I know God will empower me to do it and I'm going to take leaps of faith in those areas to try and meet your needs and meet the role that God has called me to not everybody knows that when they're saying I do when they're getting married that's the point of premarital counseling that's why there's so much value in it that's why it helps out so much because if you just be caught up in a moment of just man we just love each other I get that and that's good and those feelings are good but man it's just going to come the point in time where the stuff just weans out and weans out and then the important thing the rubber hits the road then true love will be able to be displayed because true love is not measured in the intensity of feelings. True love is measured in sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. It almost doesn't make any sense. But that's the way that it works. That's the way the Bible gives us. So if I really love my spouse... My entire self, thoughts, ambitions are totally on the line. Whatever. And however, she responds back, because here's the question that gets a lot of people: oh, she doesn't deserve it. Totally irrelevant. Doesn't even matter. Same thing for the wife, too, right? He doesn't deserve it. We're talking men today, right? So for the men, right? Totally irrelevant. Whether she deserves it or not. That wasn't the agreement. That's not what the submission is for. The submission is to his plan. I'm going to be his love and his light to my wife. Or to my spouse. Whether she deserves it or not is irrelevant. Well, she doesn't deserve me to pray with her. It's irrelevant. You're called to do. It. We are called to do it. Well, I don't feel comfortable doing it. It doesn't matter. We're called to do it. This is what the man has to, like, get in their brain, like, figure it out. Like, this is what we're called to do. And we can delay and procrastinate, and that's fine, and God will work with that. But man, we're going to make things really difficult for ourselves and for the relationship in the meantime. Grace still covers. But if He's really telling us flat out what's expected of a man, then hey, let's let's just do it and save ourselves some shooting in the foot if it doesn't have to be done so we're called to be Savior and within being a Savior we're talking about sacrifice because if we're talking about biblical love to talk about biblical love is to talk about a cross It's to talk about Calvary It's to talk about Jesus it's to talk about self-sacrifice this is true love it's not how strongly I feel about it. Because boy, that's gonna change. Guaranteed it's changed. Depending upon what happens. Those feelings are gonna change and I always gonna be there. And then truth has to guide the way. Truth has got to guide the way. So a question for the men, what price am I paying for my spouse? Or if I'm gonna get married at some point, I've got some of you guys in here too that aren't even married yet, what price would I be willing to pay for my spouse? Because if there's no sacrifice going on from the man's end, it's like how much are you really loving her? What price am I willing to pay? What am I sacrificing right now, you know, for my spouse, for Julie right now? should be some heavy-duty sacrifices going on that are on the line because that's how I show that I love her. Not just by saying it, but actually doing it and living it out. And within that comes a lot of sacrifice. I mean, we live in this day and age. Like, you guys heard the reports. Like, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I mean, there's people that are marrying dolphins. We talked about that in church. I told you that. So the you report, like, people marrying their cats? the guy who married his computer with all the porn on it because he was more sexually turned on to the, see the sex thing right He's more sexually turned on to his computer than he was to women and he got rejected and he appealed it but this is like love being defined as how we want to define it so like, then you go to same sex marriages Jesus made it really clear one man one woman that's what he said and that's the way he created it to be if we can try and go other routes. It's not going to work out well. It's just not going to work out well. that so, I mean, like you know, we don't love them. No, heck no, absolutely not. I remember somebody at work. They're like, so would you allow you know homosexuals to come to your church? And I looked at them like at four heads. And I'm like, are you are kidding me? Why would they not be welcome to come to church? So you're telling me we should make them go somewhere else and deal with their issues and problems there because the church can't handle it we don't have enough love for that ridiculous hope they're sitting in the pew next to us so we get a chance to love on them now are there like particular roles or like leadership things that maybe they can't do no maybe not but that's also true for the couple that's like sleeping together before they're married And that's also true um, for a couple that's like, you know, just at it and just difficulty in their strife and their family and it's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be leading stuff. You know what I mean? But one man, one woman. The way God defines it. We can't go another route. It's just, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I mean, this marriage thing is like heavy duty business. This is the one thing that God chose to use to symbolize and illustrate how Jesus felt about the church. He did that with marriage. He did that with no other relationship. And it's bad news to try and redefine that thing. Because then we go, get out of here God. We know how marriage supposed to go and how love is supposed to be so we're going to redefine it and say what it should really be. It's going to be bad. It's not good. It's not good. Okay, so first thing we said is savior. The man should be savior. Second thing, last one. Man is called to be sanctifier. Sanctifier. Two S's. Tried to make it easy for the guys too. Like alliteration sometimes helps. You know, it's not complicated. What are two things you learned at church today? Savior, sanctifier. What does that mean? I don't know, but that's what he said. So that's good. We got two S's in there. It's a starting place. Savior, sanctifier. Man is called to be a sanctifier. Sanctified means, kind of a churchy religious term, sanctified means to be set apart. So those special dishes that you have in the house that are only like reserved for when company comes over, that's set apart. Those are sanctified dishes. When you're set apart for a specific purpose. The Christian is set apart for a specific purpose. For the glorification of God Himself through us. For the manifestation of truth, light, and love through us. That's what we're set apart for. That's what the Christian says. That's what they declare when they get baptized. I am owned by God. He can have His way through me. I am here for His light and for His love. First, everything else flows through them. So the man, though, is called to be sanctifier. What does that mean? How do we get that out of the passage? Take a look. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, gave Himself up for her to make her, the husband's making something, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You have a picture of Jesus Christ giving himself up for the church, which is you and I. And the way that he did that was he lived according to the word of his Father in obedience. So that way He could present the church completely free from any stain, pollution, wrinkle, blemish, tarnish. You might see a whole bunch of that. And it's really easy to see. But when you stand before God and Jesus Christ has been accepted into your heart and life, He doesn't see any of it. So He made us sanctified. He created a way. In the same way, as we're talking about men, we're also called to do our part in making sure our family is set apart for God and His will and His works and His desire. Of course, the question is... like, Sorry, I'll pause there for a second, but I just think of another conversation. I have a lot of conversations at work. So another one like comes up. One of the guys there thinks he's being a really good dad by presenting no one religion to all of his children but like an open smorgasbord like we'll, you know, we'll let them decide you know, as they get older and I think that's a popular view very popular view very common view it's like well, we're not going to point them in a particular direction and indoctrinate them um, but we're going to give because there's no truth right? you'd only assume that if there's no truth what we'll do is give them an open smorgasbord and let them kind of figure it out on their own as they get older I'm not seeing a whole lot of that in this passage here because it's not indoctrination if it's the truth. Of course the question is, what is the truth? Is Jesus Christ the truth or is he not? Man's gotta come to terms with that one. Naturality, we all gotta come to terms with that one. As far as how a man leads, we've got to come to terms with what actually is the truth. What is the truth? The biblical call is for the man, yes, to raise his children in the truth and understanding of who the God of the Bible is and who Jesus Christ is. Does it mean that you never tell your children ever about anything that's ever happening in the world with other religion and other beliefs? I don't know. That's kind of silly. Because pretty soon we're going to be out there and we're called to be light and love. It's going to be really hard to do that if you know nothing about the people you're going to go out there to. So to just keep it a little bubble forever, probably not the wisest thing. Maybe for a period of time when they're really young, you know, to be more bubble-ish, maybe it would be helpful. But as they get older, they should also, like, experience the world and experience people who are out there. Like, it's not just our little Christian thing that we just have here, a little holy huddle we're called to actually go out and infiltrate the rest of the world and it's really tough to do that. We just hang out in your own like community, your own thing because we're the righteous ones. It's totally missing it. We're called to go out and be light and be love. So the dad is called to lead in sanctification, making sure his wife and his kids are set apart for God and his will and for his purposes. Called to lead in that area to sanctify the family. And he does that by being in the Word, just as Jesus was. Having Bible studies with the family. Well, I don't know anything. Come on. got this thing called the Internet. It's got a lot of stuff. You go to church, there was a message that was said. You got your notes from church, that can kind of drive some of it. We put stuff online. Like the bulk of the work for a man to leave the family is like already been done the lame excuse of well I just don't know or, I didn't go to Bible school or I'm not really it's all lame nonsense because if it was something else that he really wanted he'd figure out a way we got to figure out and really want it really want it like we're actually called to do it like God actually said this is your job that's what the man is called to do we're called to lead in spirituality. We're called to lead in separating our family for the things that are for God and of God. And within that, we've got to inspect. We should have some sort of capability from God from the direction of the Holy Spirit as far as where my family is at, where my wife is at, where is she fragile? Where is she vulnerable? How can I help speak life and speak truth into that? Where it could be a potential downfall for my kids? Do they get frustrated really easily? Um, do they have difficulty like understanding concepts? Like, are they? Um, do they naturally not get along with others? Are they like sandbox clearers? You know, are they really like, you know, like, like how are they? You know, it's really important for dads to get a beat on that stuff and understand that, because then you know how to pray for your kids. They know how to talk with their kids. They know what kind of environments would be best for your kids. Like, if, you, if there's no answers for any of that stuff, I don't care how much of the Bible you think you know. I don't care if you went to church. I don't care how many prayer times you've been to. Man, you're dropping the ball. Maybe covering it up with the other stuff. We've got to get that in line. I'm not talking in a harsh way. I'm just talking truth. Like, this is what we're called to do. And once in a while, we get called to protect the family, because you just don't lay over either, you know, if somebody's like, you know, coming after your wife or coming after your kids. I remember uh, being at a um, a conference one time and hearing a pastor talk, and he's like a really nice guy, full of big smiles, you know, and just really big and bubbly personality, and the story here is about the Tarbot, I was like, wow, I can't believe he actually did that. So I guess they were at a store somewhere, they were shopping, and... Some dirt ball is like, you know, laying on the ground. Try to take a picture up the skirt of one of his daughters. And he happened to see it. Like he's kind of distracted with his wife and doing other stuff, but he happened to see that. His daughter was like teenage at that time. So it's big, bubbly, nice, friendly Christian guy. You know. He's like, I ran after that man. I was like, oh. So he chases this guy down and grabs him by the shirt. He eventually catches him. Jacks him up by the shirt. He goes, give me that camera. And he takes care of him. He throws it on the ground. And he stomps on. he goes, don't you ever deal with anything like that again. You know, and then the thing was over. And I was like, whoa, big bubbly Mr. Christian here, you know. But that's also a part of what the man is called to do. you got to draw hard lines sometimes. That was being loving. He was protecting his family. And he was setting a firm boundary... With the intruder, he could have went too far. Maybe I would have gone too far. A knife or gun on him or on me or something, you know, and really push things and go over the line, and that'd be very tempting. Really make him understand it, you know. But he did it right, you know. He did it right, and that's also part of the call for the man. at the very end of verse 33 it says however each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband the charge to love is very interesting it was really only given to the man the woman was called to submit and respect her husband I mean she should also like it should be driven by love it kind of goes without saying but the actual command that's given in the word word for word like the man was given that command you make sure you love her and we said that's measured by sacrifice. Not by nice gestures and nice feelings. Those are important too. But there should be a heavy dose of sacrifice going on. So men are called to be Savior and be Sanctifier of the Homes. Savior and Sanctifier. Help lead in sacrifice. Whether she deserves it or not, or whether the kids deserve it or not, irrelevant. Irrelevant. And we too, called to, this is my home. This is home base. I protect this. This belongs to the king. He has a certain will and a desire for this family. I don't have everything that I need, but I'm going to make sure I found out. I'm going to get alone with my king and with my father to make sure I learn it and that I know it. That's man status. Takes all the pressure off of Wolf. I was just like a pastor. If I was just like a missionary, if I just knew more of the Bible, no, 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 no. Just be submitted to whatever God might call you to at any point in time. Man's status. Then you're in a good place. That's a man that God can really do something with. God can't do a whole lot with some men who just say, "I'm just not doing that. I just don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm just not." If there's certain barriers up. It's barriers for the family. It's barriers for the relationship going to lead to problems so I'm hoping it was helpful to at least just hear you heard just for a little while your week is going to be whatever it's going to be you're going to hear a lot of things you'll be advertised that you hear all kinds of messages all whatever but I hope that you heard at least just this morning hey this is the call for a man biblical call for a man whether you agree or not it's your call take that up with God. I'm just like the messenger guy. You take that up with Him. I didn't write this. This is not my idea. Definitely wouldn't have done it this way. This is the way He chooses to do it. This is what He says. I'm also hoping that the woman's role, as far as what He declared. I mean, He set this thing up a particular way. And it's definitely in our best interest to kind of get in line with the person who created the whole concept of sex, And marriage and relationships, He created the whole entire thing. Like Hugh Hefner didn't make sex, Playboy didn't make sex, Hustler didn't make sex. God made it. Yeah, God. He made it, and He made it to bless us with. And that's the fruit of like you know, good sex is just the fruit of things that are just going on. Right with what he has asked. That's why it's just—it's just—it's—it's it's just not wise and not good to go outside of those boundaries and think we can make something happen some other way and be doing other things. Doesn't work. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. Okay. Do some communion time, and um, we'll do a little bit different this week. Um. We're still going to have the elements up here. And actually, um, Keith is going to lead us in communion. And before he does that, we'll have you uh, come on up and take the elements. So I have them right up here. And um, if you would like to take communion, I encourage you to take it. If you don't want to, then don't. Because the whole purpose of communion is not to do it like the rest of us are doing. And I know there's not a lot of us here, so you know, it might be weird, what if somebody saw me not take it? Whatever. Like, Don't pay attention to that. It's for an audience of one. So the whole point of communion is that basically what we're saying is when I take the elements and when we take it together, we're saying that, God, I'm submitted to Your plan and Your ways. We talk about submission. I'm submitted to Your plan and Your ways. In my heart and in my life, whatever you ask for me to do and I'm not just sort of committed to it Lord I'm really committed to it I'm committed to you and what you're asking of me and I'm thankful for your son and what he did for me on the cross that's what communion is so if you can't say that I wouldn't take it there's just really no point so if you'd like to come on up take the elements hold on to them we're going to play a song where everybody's um, getting the elements And then Keith is going to close up with us and um, lead us in communion. All right?